Good morning. As always, it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, it was about a year ago now, I believe, that, uh, that Pastor Malone and I first started uh, really kind of trying to embrace this theme of discipleship here at Lamb of God. Uh, not that there had been nothing done as far as discipleship prior to that, but, but really wanting to be intentional about wrestling with what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and so this theme of, of discipleship, as, as we started talking about it, we wanted to come up with some, some language about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And this theme of discipleship, it might be something that's really not all that new for you in your life of faith. Maybe it's something that you've thought a lot about and, and you've, you've embraced as, as your whole life as a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's, it's brand new. Maybe you never heard anyone talk about discipleship. You, you heard people talking about what does it mean to be a believer, but really never anything beyond that. Um, but whatever the case is, uh, when we're talking about discipleship, we really are just talking very simply about that question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to trust Jesus, not only with my salvation, but with my entire life? What does it mean to trust Jesus with my work? What does it mean to trust Jesus and follow Jesus with my family? Uh, What does it mean to trust Jesus with my wallet or my pocketbook? Right? All of these things fall under this theme of discipleship. It means submitting our entire lives to Jesus because we believe that our life is baptized children of God. It is a whole life renewal. That there is no part of your life that faith does not touch. Which then means that there is no part of your life that discipleship does not touch. Nothing is exempt from the topic of discipleship. All of it falls under submission to Jesus as we follow him. And so one of the ways that we've started talking about discipleship is is by talking, kind of breaking it down into three things. First we talk about the identity of disciples. Who does Jesus say that we are? And now we talked about what, what do disciples value? What do we love? What do we prioritize above all else? And then, how do we go about practicing those things? And, and the reason we, we start with the identity of disciples, and the reason that we want to spend four weeks talking about identity, is because I think sometimes when we begin talking about discipleship and talking about Christian living, we're tempted to just leave the gospel in the background. That it's like, okay, Jesus saved me, he got me in, but now it's up to me. Right? And we don't want to forget that the gospel and, and the person of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, everything that he has done to accomplish salvation remains at the center of who we are. And so before ever talking about what a disciple of Jesus does, although that's important, we want to first talk about what a disciple is. Who who does Jesus say we are? Before we talk about obedience, before we talk about submission, before we talk about right actions, as important as those things are, because I do believe that Jesus cares a lot about the choices that we make and and the lifestyles that we lead as these people. But before we get to any of that, we want to talk about our identity. our, our, Our identity, who Jesus says we are, what makes us, us. What makes me, me, as a disciple of Jesus. And so to do so, we're going to take a look at two books of the Bible. 
We're going to be going through and we're going to be taking a look at some parallels from first the book of Genesis and then the Gospel of John. And we're going to see how both of these books of the Bible, they speak volumes about who we are as people of God. Who we are as people of God. And so as we begin this, we start, as it probably makes sense to do so, at the very beginning of our story. The creation of all things. Right? And, and that creation account, it's probably one of, the, one of the more familiar passages in all of Scripture to, to most people. It's one of the things that we study first in our Sunday school classes. Right? All the days of creation. And, and we see in Genesis chapter 1, Moses tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So he created the land, the sea, the skies, and then he turns and he fills them all with his creatures. And God looks at everything that he's made, and he says, it's good. This creation, this this work of my hands, this physical world that I have knit together is all good. It's pleasing in my sight. And then on that sixth day, we're told that God creates man, creates human beings. And he creates them in a little bit different way than the rest of creation. He creates them in his image. So human creatures already there in chapter 1 are set apart from the rest of creation as the image of God. We are intended to be the image and reflection of God and his goodness amidst his creation. Now this is a really important distinction. This this creation story is extremely important when examined in light of other competing creation stories, particularly during Moses' day. When, When Moses writes the book of Genesis, there would have been a number of other ancient Near Eastern religions in that region where Israel was wandering in the wilderness. And as God reveals this story to Moses... We see it stand in stark contrast to other stories about the physical world. You see, many other stories, they taught that essentially the physical world, what we call creation, is bad. And the spiritual world, that is good. And and in a certain sense, the physical world is sort of a prison for the spiritual. And, And everything that is physical sort of arose out of this primordial conflict amidst the gods and spirits. And so we have this sharp distinction where the spiritual is good. We should be seeking to free ourselves from the physical world to attain the spiritual. And in stark contrast to that, we have Genesis chapter 1, where God creates everything and he says, it is good. It is the work of my hands. And we see standing in dominion over that creation (coughs) is human beings. Human beings created as the image and reflection of God. That to be a created thing, to be physical, is good. And it is affirmed by God. And then in Genesis chapter 2, we sort of zoom in. We zoom in on the creation of human beings. And this is what... Genesis chapter 2 has to say about what it means to be God's creature. It says in verse 5 of chapter 2, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, 
and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there we see when human beings are created, God forms, he sort of crafts man as this potter throwing a pot on a pottery wheel. God crafts man from the dirt of the ground. And he breathes into him the breath of life. The word there for breath is this word ruach. It's the Hebrew word that means not only breath, but wind or even spirit. We are formed from the dust the dirt of the ground, and God places his own spirit into us. And that is what it means to be a human creature. That we are dirt and spirit. We, we are formed from the stuff of the earth. That, that we are insignificant and fragile, just like the dirt. But we, we are humble and limited, just like dirt is humble and limited. But we have no significance on our own. But we do have significance because we are not merely humble, insignificant dirt. But we also are living creatures who have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, giving us life. So we are at the same time insignificant dirt, but also significant as human beings with God's Spirit dwelling in us. We are, we are both humble and precious. We, we are both humble and also glorified. We are both, both fragile and perfect. That to be a living creature, to be a human being, to be someone created by God is to be both dirt and spirit. It is to be completely free, but also limited. Limited because we are not the creator, we are his creature. But you see, the problem is that's not how many of us would have it. In fact, I think that's not how any of us would have it on our own. See, we don't want to be simple, hum, humble dirt and spirit. We would much rather find significance on our own. Rather than finding our significance in the goodness and the love of our Creator, we would much rather find goodness and significance in the things that we accomplish, in the stuff that we acquire, in the legacy that we leave behind. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, he was a British man. Uh, he began his professional career as a physician and then later became a, a pastor and a preacher and and is a well-known British theologian. And one thing that he said about many of the other doctors and physicians that he worked with, he said, many of the medical men that I know, on their gravestone, you could simply write this, born a man, died a doctor. And his point was rather simple, is that for most of the other doctors that he worked with, their significance their importance, their worth and value was all wrapped up in what they did. 
it was all wrapped up in, in I'm a doctor and therefore that makes me special and sort of set apart from other people. That, that I'm more educated and I'm more valuable because I'm a doctor. Right? That attitude doesn't exist at all anymore, does it? <laughs> right? What, what would you want on your gravestone? Born a man, died a doctor. Born a woman, died a, a, a CEO. Born a man, died, died a millionaire. Died wealthy. Born a man, born a woman, died just successful. See, so many of us, we, we spend so much of our time and our effort trying to prove our worth and find significance on our own apart from God. Just like Adam and Eve, they, they, they saw that limit and in temptation were tempted to instead climb up and become like God. We find ourselves trying to climb up, trying to be like God, trying to create significance on our own, out of nothing. Instead of simply finding our significance, finding our importance, finding our worth in the goodness of our Creator and being His beloved creature. Instead of being in the image of God, we want to be like God. Instead of reflecting His goodness and significance to the world around us, we want to reflect our own significance, our own legacy to the world around us. We would much rather not be dust and spirit. We would much rather be me. Reflect my goodness. Reflect my legacy. My importance. You know, interestingly enough, later in Scripture, what we read this morning from John, we have this other kind of creation narrative. Except this narrative, it doesn't talk so much about the creation, but primarily about the nature of our Creator. John chapter 1, what is often referred to as, as the prologue, this, this lengthy introduction to God, John's gospel, it begins like this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So here in the beginning of all things, we have God and His Word. And His Word that is somehow strangely distinct from God, yet also mysteriously God at the same time. And John tells us that everything that we see, it was all made through this Word of God. And everything that we see would not have been made if it wasn't for this Word. That without God and His Word, none of what we see, none of this earth, none of this physical realm has any sort of significance on its own. But all of it finds significance, all of it finds meaning, all of it finds its very existence rooted in God and His Word. And then in verse 14, we have almost this strange, unexpected movement, and it says this, The Word became flesh. The Word took on flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That God, when He saw our rebellion, when He saw our attempts to find significance on our own and climb up and be like God, God did not cast us out. His answer to us trying to ascend and be like Him was to descend and become like us. 
to take on our frail and fragile flesh, to take on our significance, to come and dwell in the midst of our sin and our rebellion. And by hanging hanging on a cross, He took the punishment for that rebellion on Himself. God did not cast us out. He did not push us aside. He did not merely remind us of our insignificance. But instead, He came and He became a part of it. He he came to redeem it and restore it. And it's there in Jesus Christ that we find not only redemption from sin, but we find how to be a creature again. A creature again. That's what we get to be in Jesus We get to be a creature again. We discover in Christ what God originally intended for us as His creation. That we see in Jesus both the perfect form of a human being and also the way back to God. No longer do we have to try to prove our worth. No longer do we have to try to create significance for ourselves to try to do some of it on our own. But instead we find it all in Christ. And the beautiful thing is we get this proof. We get even more significance than the first man had. Even more than Adam and Eve had. Because not only do we have the promise of God's Spirit, we actually have God's own Son who hangs on a cross for us. That is how deeply significant our lives are to God. That is how important, that is how valuable, that is how beloved we are to God. He would give His own Son for you. It is good to be God's creature. He has made that very, very clear in His Son, Jesus Christ. And as His creatures, as people who have been restored as simple creatures and and children of God, no longer does our work, our possessions, no longer does any of that stuff, any of our accomplishments, have to be where we find who we are. Because we already have the certainty of our identity. As people who have been created by God and redeemed by Jesus. Suddenly all those things like like work and possessions and, and accomplishments, all those get to now just be blessings from God, showered upon you as His beloved creation. All of those things get to be ways for you to worship and give thanks to the God who created you. You were born God's creature. You will die as God's creature. And because of Christ, you will be raised again as His creature. Amen?